The World and the Heart, a Dharma talk translated from Thai, given by Ajahn Anan. Everyone born into this world wishes to be happy, and so people are continually searching and striving for this happiness. It's been like this ever since we were little. Even before we can speak properly, we are already seeking things to satisfy us. As small children, we express our wants through gestures, driven by the heart's desires. And as we grow up, we work at our studies, acquiring as much knowledge as possible, so we can get a good job. We assume that by having a good job and earning a lot of money, this will make us happy and at ease. And yet, even when we've gotten everything, there's still discontent. We still don't experience happiness all the time. Various things in the world still cause us to suffer. When we experience gain and good fortune, we're happy. But when those things fade away, then the heart suffers. At one time, we might experience fame or status, but when they disappear, the heart suffers. When others praise us, we feel happy and content, but when we're criticized, the heart suffers. All these worldly conditions, gain, status, praise and pleasure, are uncertain. Sometimes there's loss of gain or status, and sometimes we meet with criticism or pain. This is the way of the world, and this is how it always has been. Once born, every one of us receives these things from the world, and when we're all gone and a new generation emerges, it will be like this for them as well. Nothing changes. Even on New Year's Day, when there's a change of year, This is simply a matter of convention. It's just the way the calendar's been arranged. A rising and passing away is something natural. The sun simply comes into view and goes out of view. But we've prescribed meanings out of it for the sake of mutual agreement and understanding. Though we're born into this world, we fail to see the world. We're entranced by it. We become addicted to the world. That is to say, addicted to forms, sounds, smells, flavors, and tactile sensations. But these things of the world, they don't last. Arising and ceasing, they undergo change and transformation over time. It was for this reason that the Buddha cautioned his disciples, look at this world, beautiful and enticing, like a royal chariot. Those without wisdom are bound by the world, but those who know are not bound. The world is all the myriad forms, sounds, smells, flavors, and tactile sensations which are desirable and pleasing. The majority of people, if lacking in wisdom, however, are bound by these things. But the Buddha, he was no longer bound. So he encouraged his disciples to practice just like he had done. As long as we are residing in the world, we must try to cultivate panya, or wisdom, Panya is a brightness appearing in the heart. That all of us have come here shows that our panya has already begun to appear. By giving up worldly distractions and enjoyments, we cut away at the inclination of the heart towards these things. Now instead of going here and there, searching for things to entertain us, we have the chance to search for peace. This peace appears as a happiness of heart, a happiness founded in Dhamma. 
At this point, we could say that our heart possesses enough wisdom for all of us to see the busyness and confusion in the world. We can see that all those worldly distractions are insubstantial and without meaning. When we're in a peaceful place, though, our heart becomes peaceful as well. It becomes free of stress and agitation, free of doubts and worries, free of scattered thoughts. When we calm our body and speech, then the heart will naturally calm down as well, for the heart finds pleasure and contentment and peacefulness. This is called the emergence of wisdom in the heart. We have this opportunity for training the heart and mind. Our mind is something quite difficult to train, though. As we're sitting with our eyes closed, various thoughts and speculations arise. So we must come to learn about our mind. Why isn't it peaceful? We're looking for peace, looking for the mind to settle down and be still. So why won't it be still? It's simply because we've never trained it. For decades, we've let our mind do as it will. 10, 20, 30, 40, even 50 years. We've never taken the time to train our minds. We've trained it in thinking, building up thoughts about this and that, aiming to gain understanding in this way. But each time we reinforce our thoughts and feelings in a worldly manner, our heart gets further and further away from peace. As we continue to seek the world to greater degrees, we become increasingly more distant from the Dhamma. These days people are searching for happiness out in the world more than ever before. People are becoming gradually more scattered, more distracted, as the hearts drift further and further away from the Dhamma. And one can see how much busier and hectic the world is these days. In the past, when one needed to travel anywhere, there was no rushing about or competing. People mostly walked, and the paths were wide open. Whether travelling through forests or through the mountains, there was lots of space. But now, the world has developed. The roads are more developed. One can travel more quickly than ever before. And so humans find themselves competing with one another. Everyone needs to use the same overcrowded roads, because we all depend on vehicles to convey us from one place to another. Wherever one goes, there's racing and contending. Although the world is more developed, there's more scrambling and competing than in the past. Things are more convenient, though our hearts are less contented and at ease. Wherever one finds progress, one also finds degeneration. Like in Bangkok, there's been great progress and advancement. However, going anywhere is a hassle because there are so many people. And this is simply for the reason that people want to live in a developed place. One can see that progress in the world is inseparable from degeneration in the world. The Pali word loka means world and also means darkness. Along with the growth of darkness comes the appearance of degeneration. The same principle applies to our hearts as well. If a heart develops in worldly ways, this means that there will be degeneration in our heart. The heart's radiance diminishes as it drifts further and further away from the Dhamma. It's hard to find the opportunity to listen to the Dhamma and practice meditation anymore. We find that in the past people would head for the monastery to perform charitable deeds, seeking tranquility of mind. Because back then, there was time, people had the opportunity to do this. 
It used to be that the days off here in Thailand were aligned with the lunar observance days. But, as things have modernized, this has changed to Saturday and Sunday. People's lives are steadily getting more distant from Dhamma. More than ever before, people nowadays seek for distractions and forms sounds, smells, flavors, and tactile sensations. These things cover over our heart, deceiving and intoxicating us. But those of us who are able to recognize the danger in allowing ourselves to become agitated and confused can make the effort to practice meditation. This will bring calm and energy to our mind, empowering it to contend with all the various forms, sounds, smells, and flavors around us. Don't let these things take over the mind. Create the conditions for freedom and independence. The search for the Dharma is the most supreme type of search. Having been born into this world, we desire to obtain wealth and possessions, to acquire a measure of fame and reputation. But regardless of how much wealth, praise and knowledge we may acquire, still we must age, we must become ill, we must die. We must all be separated from this world, everyone, without exception. The sage, therefore, the wise person, will endeavor to reach the Dharma. He or she will seek the heart's true happiness. For although one might have an education and a career, why is our heart not at peace? When we're insulted, why is it that the heart suffers? When someone criticizes us, Why is it that the heart suffers? When our wealth decreases, why does our heart suffer? With loss of status, why do we suffer? When the body experiences change or transformation, why is it that the heart also experiences pain? It's simply because our heart is not yet endowed with wisdom. If you've already progressed far enough in your career and have an adequate amount of wealth, then you should consider seeking the Dharma within your heart. Let us bring wisdom to our heart, so that we can understand the things of this world in line with truth. When we're first born, everything is unfamiliar to us, and one is swept up in the world. Having never contemplated the process that is our life, we don't understand the reality of it. Our lives don't last long. Once born, we have around a hundred years at most. Those who live longer than this are rare. And as for our desires, what could we possibly desire from this world when the time comes to leave it behind? If there is still greed, anger and delusion remaining at the time of death, our consciousness will seek birth in another womb. It will be born to the world again and then swept up by the world again. It will be striving and struggling again. We have to go back to school and study all over again, and then go seeking again. Every birth, every life, with no end to it. Each birth, each life is bound up with dukkha, or stress. The heart experiences nothing but dukkha. Because whenever we don't get what we wish for, we experience dukkha. Or, when the body changes in some way, or we develop an illness, we experience dukkha. Searching for the four necessities of food, clothing, shelter and medicine, this is also dukkha. The fact that we have to go off and get a job 
Being vulnerable to the moods of our superiors is also dukkha. Or, if we are one in the position of authority and get irritated with our employees, this too is dukkha. All of these forms of dukkha come about, are made possible, simply by the fact that we've been born into the world. And as long as we are pleased and delight in the sensual pleasures of the world, we must be born and die again and again, on and on, indefinitely. The Buddha said that we have been born countless times and have experienced great suffering and despair from being separated from those things and people which we are fond of. The amount of tears we've shed is more than all the water in the great oceans, he said. Birth brings with it a great deal of grief and pain. The Buddha attained to the state of awakening within his heart, but in order to give rise to awakening within a heart which is radiant, free of anger and hostility, we must make the effort to practice. Keep on investigating the heart, and you'll become one who is heedful. Here is a practice for all of you to undertake from now on. If there's suffering present, for whatever reason, then we need to try and remedy that suffering, to remove it from our hearts. Even in a worldly way, every person wishes to be endowed with mindfulness and wisdom. If we're truly wise, though, then we'll come to understand the fundamental nature of sankharas, of compounded phenomena. They are anicca, dukkha, anatta, impermanent, unsatisfactory, and not self. If we have the wisdom necessary to see the reality of compounded phenomena, suffering will diminish. But the wisdom which will arise in the heart is something we must seek for ourselves. We must study and practice the teachings for ourselves. No matter how much money one might have, there isn't anyone we can buy this wisdom from, unlike external possessions which we're able to shop for and purchase. Internal possessions is something we have to acquire on our own. We have to do it for ourselves. Bringing this wisdom into existence and making our heart bright. For this reason, we should endeavor to develop our parami, our spiritual maturity within ourselves. You've all come and traveled here to Wadmapjan. While we're practicing meditation here, there's peacefulness in our speech and actions. Our minds are established in morality, and we're restrained and careful. We can say that we're practicing giving in the sense that we're giving up other distractions to come to the monastery. The path of giving, morality, and meditation has the ability to lead anyone's heart to a state of radiance and peace. This is the path that will lead us to see the Satchadhamma, the truth, which always exists in the world. No longer fooled by the world, no longer being excessively caught up in sights and sounds, smells and flavors, tactile sensations, we can come to understand the reality of conditioned things. That the world is plagued by disharmony and confusion is due to the presence of craving, a craving which is never appeased. We can let craving take us outside the boundaries of virtuous conduct, or we can choose to carry out our life within these boundaries. Once we've established ourselves within the boundaries of virtuous conduct, we must begin to investigate the three kinds of craving in order to understand them. Firstly, there's kama tanha, 
which means finding satisfaction and delight in sense objects, sights, sounds, smells, flavors, tactile sensations, and ideas. Then there's bhavatanha, craving for being or for experiencing, and vibhavatanha, craving for not being or not experiencing. Kamatanha, bhavatanha, vibhavatanha. These are the causes for the arising of stress and suffering. Now if we don't practice, we'll never be able to see these conditions of the mind as they actually are. Practicing the Dharma is for the purpose of bringing the mind to see and understand, to see the world in line with truth. If we truly see the world, this means that we've seen the Dhamma. The external world is one thing, and the internal world is just this body and the moods in our heart which are continually arising and changing. We may feel anger or attraction or aversion or stress. The moods and emotions that arise in the heart are of all sorts. During the course of just one day, there's endless arising and ceasing. If we see the nature of these thoughts and feelings as they arise and cease, this means that we see the world. The mind will temporarily distance itself from these mental phenomena. When we regularly see our thoughts as impermanent, as unsatisfactory, as not-self, the mind will stop grabbing onto them. We'll be able to separate them from one another, just like water and oil. This is how one can see the true nature of the world. When the heart comes to understand reality, one will experience great rapture and happiness. How much happiness will there be in the heart? To whatever degree one can realize truth, the heart will be bright and spacious and will experience that degree of happiness. If the heart attains to an even greater degree of calm and concentration, genuine samadhi, with rapture appearing nearly all throughout the day and night, well, experience that for yourself, and you'll know what that level of happiness is like. This is the kind of happiness that doesn't depend on wealth or possessions. It's a happiness independent of sights, independent of sounds, independent of smells, independent of flavors, independent of sensations, and independent of ideas. A happiness coming from within. To whatever extent humans seek happiness outside themselves, the further they are away from the happiness within. But those who can make the effort to seek the happiness of the heart can find a happiness that doesn't fade. It's for this reason that all of you should seek the Dhamma.